2: of
3: Gonna drink this, maybe I'll just. Oh, that's terrible. That's that's
4: well. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good golly, Miss Molly. Welcome to another edition of Morning Coffee with Brian, the show that lasts as long as our coffee. And that means this one's gonna last 30 seconds because I'm nearly done already. <laughs> <laughs> So good morning to everyone out there on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, KGRA Digital Radio. Welcome to you all. It's great to see you all here. Uh, we have a wonderful panel and uh, guest, guests lined up for today. As usual, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about some some great musical things, um, particularly the fact that we are we are when uh, you consider the UK and America. Two countries divided by a common language, as somebody once said. I think uh, maybe Mark Twain, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we've got a lot of fun talking today about bands and artists that, that were our legendary, beloved in the UK, but never made it over here in North America, and a few acts that kind of went the other way and, and did it uh, slightly differently, and we will probably branch off and meander into all sorts of musical conversation like we normally do. Uh, but first of all, I'd like to say a very good morning to those already in the chat on YouTube. So good morning, Penny. Good morning to the great d Martin. Hello, sir. How are you? Andy Morrow. Hey, Andy. Uh, and everyone else that's going to join us, we'll, we'll keep in touch with you. Keep your chats and comments and uh, super chats going. That's That would be awesome. Thank you. I um, also would like to give a little shout out to uh, Fuel Up, our sponsors, so Fuel Up for Work, Rest and Play. Check the links in the description below the show, and there will be some more information on Fuel Up later on. And uh, thank you to them for continuing to sponsor uh, Morning Coffee uh, on KGIA Digital Radio. So, uh, so good morning, everybody. How are you all? Doing good. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. It's well. after- Good afternoon for me. That's right. <laughs> Mal, is a, it's afternoon in the UK, what, 4pm? So, uh, yes, I'd like to welcome back to the show our dear friend from the Rock and Roll Rowdies, the best-looking, by acclaim, popular claim, the best-looking <laughs> Rock and Roll Rowdy. <laughs>
5: Absolutely. Listen, Mr. Mal Craigs, how are you, sir? I'm good, I'm good. The sun's shining. It's always good when the sun shines. Yeah, the sun,
4: the, the, the sun ain't going to shine anymore, though, as the Walker brothers sang. So.
5: Yeah, the sun ain't going to shine anymore. Yeah. I, met, I met them on my, one of my very, very first trips to London, about 1967, 68, and we were all staying in a, a bed and breakfast together. Mm. And their backing band... They had a backing band were from the, yeah the Walker brothers, and then there was another few musicians that you never really seen. Mm. Backing band, the real backing band.
4: <laughs> uh, yeah, because the yeah, we're definitely gonna have a chat about the Walker brothers. An interesting act, um, Americans, but they went to the UK to to have hits yeah. and become successful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so thank you for joining us Mal. I know you've got personal experience of tour managing with with at least a couple of the acts we're talking about today and that will be mm-hmm. uh, invaluable but we also want your musical opinion having worked on both sides of the pond as to what works and what doesn't and why some acts just inexplicably just don't click despite everything. So mm. Yeah, so also welcome to our great friend Dustin. How are you sir?
6: I'm doing wonderful. Can I get rid of these hiccups, though?
4: All <laughs> oh, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dustin, my friend, uh, can you tell us how keto simple your channel is getting on?
6: It's doing well. It's doing very well. We've uh, hit uh, over 3,200 subscribers. We're doing really well. Uh, in the midst of a couple of days into uh, beef, butter, bacon, and eggs challenge that we're doing for uh, at least 30 days, so we're doing good.
4: Yeah, that's a typical British breakfast, though, Mal. Beef, bacon, eggs, and butter, isn't it?
5: Well, beef sausage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so, video, yeah, no
4: baked beans. No baked beans. Oh, I've right. got to baked beans with my British breakfasts. My English yeah. breakfast, as they call it. There's a Scottish British. version.
5: British breakfast isn't a British breakfast without baked beans. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so Never uh, liked them. No,
4: uh, well there's different mm-hmm. kinds. You see, the British Heinz baked beans in Britain are very different from Heinz and yeah. they taste completely different.
5: Yeah, different. That you know, that Boston baked bean. Nah. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Bean. The sweeter. What do you have baked?
7: against Boston? <laughs> I'm nothing,
5: nothing. I love the place. I went I actually went there for a holiday. I know, me
4: too. I've been to Boston on holiday once, believe it or not, yeah. so it was fun. Uh, Boston, of course, the team that doesn't have a Stanley Cup second round participant. Uh, um, no. So um, <laughs> so uh, thank you, Dustin. I th- Courtney has joined us this morning, and I'm always so happy to have Courtney on the stream. How are you?
7: I'm doing great. Hi, everybody. Hi, Courtney.
6: Hello. I subscribed to your channel the other day, Courtney. Looking forward to the oh. content that you're making.
7: Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I'm going to be, uh, you'll, you'll enjoy it, I think. It's a little bit of everything.
4: Yeah, and unlike me, Courtney is an expert on music because she can play. So that's why we left here.
5: Oh.
7: Used oh. to be an expert. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe might be still. <laughs>
4: yeah, And she knows a lot about the, the some of the, the, the uh, punk and new wave stuff that I might know about, but she knows a lot more. So that's That cool. I do know. Yes. yes. So, also, good morning to John. Das Wolfen. How are you, sir?
3: I'm doing great.
4: Good. Um, are you uh, Are you familiar with uh, some of the acts that we've mentioned so far?
3: Oh yeah, yeah. And the ones I weren't from, wasn't familiar with from uh, the rock and roll rowdy shows. I actually made a rock and roll rowdy's playlist, and I put these bands on there so I could listen to them.
4: Nice. Good for you, sir. Mm-hmm. Yes, good. Hey. Uh, We'll definitely want to get your opinion then, and also good morning to our uh, to Martin. How are you, sir? Quiet. That's how he is. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh,
6: <laughs> muted <Isn't that> the, <laughs> which is not the which it's not the same. Oh no, I'm I'm doing well. Thank good. you. Man. Glad to, to, you, happy to be with you today.
4: Uh, we we do like our show manager to be quiet because that way we know we're not doing anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So, indeed. Well, welcome to you all. Welcome to everybody out there uh, in, the, in the chat and out there on KGRA. Um, so, yeah, so it's been a fascinating thing for me over the years to think of certain acts that I absolutely love and some that I don't love but are very popular and why or why not they may not have made it in the US, but whereas they're beloved in the UK. And the really kind of bands I'm thinking about are ones that, have, or acts, are ones that have lasted for decades, not their. One hit wonders, because you're always going to get a one hit wonder in the US or the UK that doesn't translate. That's it's going to happen all the time. And bands that come and go within a year, you know, so be it. it um, but just generally speaking, um, is I just wondered, you guys think is there a is there a difference in taste? I'm thinking uh, between the US and the UK, are there things that just don't fly in your experience from one of the one side or the other? I don't know how you feel, Mal. Uh,
5: yeah, yeah. You know, the, sometimes it just takes a lot of translating. You know, yeah. the, you know, like hip-hop and stuff like that was catching on in America long before it did in England. Mm. But now it's, you know, that type of rap, hip-hop, all of that kind of genre of music is very much there in England. Mm-hmm. We're... We were we were probably a decade behind, and I think that's what it is. It's just playing catch up, either side of the Atlantic. Sometimes it catches, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Courtney, you've you've uh, you know a lot of bands. You know, you've got a
4: great range in, in music. That stuff that you listen to. What's your feeling, especially as you know a lot of the British stuff, like New Wave stuff, particularly? How do you, do you think there is just a, too much of a bridge? To cross?
7: um well if i were to talk about you know the like the it, punk rock or that scene or whatnot the late 70s scene with that type of music i would say that british punk had just a very different attitude than american punk did hmm. that's that's the main difference to me and, and you know some of the sounds back in the day you know when it was a little more uh separated now you can't really Health. everyone's kind of doing everything now but the attitude yeah. is definitely a lot different I feel like um, they both were political in some ways but American punk tended to be a lot more political in the beginning in the start of their kind of scene so yeah
4: yeah I mean um, I, I, there are certain things that are, seem to be universal I mean in terms of belovedness once the British invasion caught fire in America everybody loved those British bands Soul and Motown was hugely popular in Britain alongside America. I don't, you know, there was never a divide there. I don't think certain other things have been universal, but other things have just stayed in 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 pretty much their their lane. And I'm wondering if it is a occasionally you mentioned it, Malo. Is it is is it really a language thing sometimes? Like certain bands, not in the music, but just being speaking, maybe just don't come across as that well, and people go, "What the hell was he saying?" Get that, yeah. and that is a problem,
5: yeah. You know, it in the early days, I think what, what you know, from when I started, American bands there weren't a lot of them in England that were breaking in England, it was still more the more time stuff, mm. uh, and you know, people loved that in England. So, when the new wave, people like uh, Velvet Underground. Um, Starship, not Jefferson Airplane, I mm. should say back then. Came mm-hmm. to go, mm, come see, come south on it, you know. Yeah. Especially things like, you know, Lou Reed, Velvet Underground, they weren't too keen on it. It was still very cult, and it probably still is today. You know?
4: Yeah. Yeah, some things are cult hits. so you, Courtney, you'd probably have. Some opinion on that things are cult hits but not commercial hits. I know that certain of the British new wave and, and post new wave bands were hugely influential in certain areas, particularly the college circuit, but didn't sell a lot of records.
7: Exactly, the people that were into that type or genre of music, that really like you know did a deep dive into it, know them, but not necessarily everyone because they didn't have their big hit songs necessarily.
4: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Mal, the Velvet Underground, Lou Reed, because again, hugely influential in the UK, but not big record sellers. Not until Lou Reed had a late hit with Perfect Day. Yeah, yeah, they were not like so a certain connoisseur as you would call them would would be devoted to them, and your David Bowie well, and so on.
5: I had a good friend that just raved about Lou Reed. Uh, And I remember my first American tour, I was working with Robert Palmer and Elkie Brooks, and we played at the Tower Theatre, and we were opening for Velvet Underground. Wow. You know, I told my friend David, he was just like, he could not believe, he didn't believe me. He didn't believe me. He was saying, no, you've never...
4: (laughs) Mm, Absolutely sick. I bet
5: he was sick, yeah.
7: I just can't believe those bands played at the Tower Theatre.
5: Yeah. (laughs) It's a tiny, tiny place. For the velvet crowd, it was almost a local gig. It was just down the road.
4: Before we get into specific acts that I wanted to talk about, Mal, um, having set up tours and, and been on tours in both sides of the Atlantic, is there a difference in the way live music is is like different it's PA set, settings, different sound settings? Is there actually a quantitative difference in sound that the audience is like?
5: Uh, oh, back in back in my early days, absolutely. We were we were again ten years behind what was happening in the US mm. on equipment wise and in the in production wise. We were way behind every you know america so i couldn't believe it when i first went there and seen you know we were we were using 12 channel mixing desks and the first Mm. one i seen in america was a 32 channel (laughs) we had 12 you know (laughs) two mics on the drums and
4: But I've often heard people say, and maybe Dustin or John would have an opinion on this, or maybe John particularly recently, having listened to to some of the Rowdy's bands, is there a production difference that people like? Is there a sound that people like to hear in America that they didn't in Britain? I think there is a difference in the way records were produced, but that's just me.
6: I don't know. I mean, because if you think about some of the biggest bands in history, a lot of them were all recorded at Abbey Road. So, I mean, or like the mm. biggest records in history were recorded at Abbey Road. So, you would think that there would be a difference there. But
4: yeah, one of the things I I know is that in the early days, in the 60s, British record companies did not like to produce records with a lot of bass on them. They liked that's no bottom end. Yeah, no bottom that's end. A very good
7: point.
4: Yeah, and of course, that's not good for you, Courtney.
7: Well, and for, but Motown, <laughs> Motown is a, is bass-driven, yeah, really. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's a huge yeah.
4: thing. So I think that's a factor. There is a different sound that ears were attuned to for certain bands and also other bands, maybe the British bands. And I don't mean the, the British tour management or stage management. I mean, the bands themselves just did not present themselves as professionally as they maybe could have.
5: And Americans liked the slick act. We definitely did. Uh, uh, and I could be controversial here and say the Americans were a little contrived sometimes. They were, that works, we'll put that in. Ooh, that works, we'll put that in. Right.
0: You know. Slicker. uh, I I
3: think American fans
0: like more of a... Formula,
5: you know, and that, mm. for me it became a bit of a formula with right. some of the, the acts, you know, especially yeah. you know, that arena sound, you know, that they went for.
4: Yeah, there's there's definitely been differences, I think, in approach. But John, you were about to it's all, yeah, you, you heard something.
3: I think American audiences prefer the more manufactured sound. Hmm.
4: Definitely. Yeah, I think that's possibly true, although again, to go to the Abbey Road thing, I mean, if you look at the, the, the records that eventually were produced there, the, the I mean, they set a standard for production, George Martin yeah. and, and Abbey Road. So, But then again, um, I think there's a template, and I think I would have said as a Brit, a lot of the America, I'm thinking of the 70s and 80s, a lot of American bands had a template, like the, the hair metal bands or the American version of prog rock, or radio FM friendly radio rock, just kind of stamped those out. Yeah. Uh, and I think that they had a produced, what we would call a produced sound, whereas some of the British bands like the Quo were a bit more like, you know, lay down the track and rough and ready
5: and throw it out there. They made... Well, you know, they were they were. I think the British acts were more based on the live sound hmm. than the sound for radio. You know, we had about three radio stations that they would get played on. Uh, where, you know, there's, there's three in every town in in the North America. Yeah. yeah. That, you yeah. Know, we did, they just didn't gear it for the radio sound in the early days.
4: That's another good point, though, because another reason that people state that certain British acts didn't make it is, well, America's a big place. It still had huge regional differences back in the day they had so much of their own stuff why do we need another british band for yeah you had the british invasion but after that they could pick and choose and they sometimes they just we've got our own stuff we've got our own 12 bar boogie bands we don't need a british one
7: well and if i may add there were a lot of different sounds from the different uh record companies also you had you know the the sounds of the south and stuff like that so We had a whole, yeah. a, a, a lot bigger, um, you know, a more diverse kind of types of sounds. So.
4: Sure, we're getting a little bit of an echo from somewhere, and I'm not quite sure it's where it's from, but we'll we'll experiment as we go to see if we can uh, identify that. Oh, um, well, I forgot to say, by the way, yeah, Mal. Uh, when I sorry, Martin, go ahead.
6: Sorry. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's Mike. Uh, Mal. Mike. Mal's Mike.
4: I cannot English today. All oh, right. Are you on moment. your phone, Mal, or? Uh, yeah, you must well. uh, it, It's
5: on an iPad. Yeah, you know. oh, right. on a pad.
4: Yeah, we're getting a little bit of feedback, but we'll 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 we we'll just make sure we give you time to to that you don't lag, so we'll give you space to speak. <laughs> um, but while we're well, doing yeah, that, I forgot to say you well, are not only the best looking rowdy, but you certainly had other attractions, <laughs> as we know.
6: Um, Harry <laughs> <laughs> socks in his
5: like Talking about my legs.
4: Yeah. Get those legs! I think well, Granny's got nice. the better legs. You've got the better package, but he's got the better legs. <laughs> you see, the American girls would have gone wild over that. Never mind the band. Let's. <laughs>
6: <laughs> uh, so, by the way, Brian, we have a, a super sticker. Oh, from we, the we do. Podcast. Sorry,
4: yes. Thanks for telling me. Yeah. Uh, um, we have a super sticker from our wonderful, wonderful friend Darius Munchausen Hey, brother, how are you? Uh, And it's a box of popcorn. So thank you, Darius. I think I may have somewhere in this voluminous list of stuff something I can play here.
5: You have our gratitude.
4: So thanks, Darius, for being here, buddy. And thank you, everybody in the chat. Uh, I can see you all there. Uh, Slasher Fred is here. Davina, the great friend, our great friend Davina. I think there was a... There's a devoted fan base in the US and I'll forget about Canada even though I live there Uh, they were slightly different again Uh, devoted fan base in America for certain British bands and vice versa there are certain American bands that didn't catch on but they have their devoted fans like the Velvet Underground we spoke about earlier so there's always going to be a hardcore and that's great because they keep that music promoted and alive so I'm going to go back way way back and talk about some specific acts if you guys are okay with that And I wanted to start with the granddaddy or grandmother, as some people may say, the Queen Mother of Rock, um, Cliff Richard. So Sir Cliff Richard, as we should call him, it's probably Dame Cliff Richard these days, but he's like the Queen Mother, he's been around for so long. The original British rock and roller, and he's first hit in what, 57, 56, 57, still during... Sorry, Mel? Where before my time. Oh, yeah, me too. It's still still touring and performing today in his 80s. And he's got some incredible career stats. 67 UK top 10 hits more than any other artist except Elvis and the Beatles. 14 UK number one hit singles. Again, only behind Elvis and the Beatles. Seven UK number one albums. The only UK artist to have a number one single in five consecutive decades, the 50s to the 90s. 129 chart singles, 440 weeks. The stats all there are incredible. 44 charting albums, 958 weeks in the album chart. Hugely popular in the UK. Beloved. I mean, it's not my kind of music a lot of what he does because he's very pop. But um, the but third biggest selling artist in Germany. In America, not so much. Cliff has struggled to ever uh, ever have a big hit in America. He did have a hit with a song called Devil Woman, which made number six in the 70s. And then We Don't Talk Anymore made number seven. But other than that, it's been minor, minor hits. And also his backing band, The Shadows, Huge British instrumental band, dozens of British hit singles uh, on their own in their own right, other than working with Cliff. Uh, again, beloved, and yet virtually a blip, like just not even a blip in the US. So, uh, I just wanted to explore that a little bit because Cliff, funnily enough, Cliff um, is one of these guys who. I said, I'm oh, Cliff Richard. No, I'm not Cliff again. You know, Jesus, like the grandmother, as I say, of Pop, British Pop Christmas hits. There's a lot of Christmas hits. Uh, and yet I looked in my record collection and I've got like four albums of Cliff Richard. So it's just the weirdest thing. <laughs> I've even got his debut album from 1957 when it was Cliff oh, Richard and the Drifters wow. as opposed to Cliff and the Shadows and it had you know, the original rock, British rock and roll hit Move It on it. So I've actually got... I did didn't—I forgot I had a copy of this. Albeit I didn't buy it at the time, naturally,
5: because I wasn't even born, but you know. And you're broadcasting this.
4: Yes, I am. So this is... I'm a hostage to fortune now because my metal credit has just been blown. Um, but yeah, d Bud Martin, the video for We Don't Talk Anymore was shown in the first hour of MTV. So he did have a little bit of US traction, but never... Like, if I see Cliff Richard, I know, I'm sure John, Dustin, Courtney, who is he? And yeah, massively successful and beloved in the UK. And we'll play a little clip of the very first song, hit song that he and, and uh, the Shadows had, first ever real British rock and roll record. I'll go back to the start.
2: Come on,
7: pretty baby, let's a move it. it.
4: Shake a baby, shake a So from then on, it was uphill all the way for Cliff, hit after hit. A great record like I
6: wouldn't. I see if, if you play this for me, I would never have thought he was from the UK. No. It does not sound like a UK artist to me.
4: Well, he he
7: also covered a lot of Elvis, I believe.
4: Well, yes, and they all did. But so he did a lot of Elvis. Uh, but he did have like that was an original number, and the shadows in the background there, uh, the guy with the glasses, Hank Marvin, who had the first, theoretically, allegedly the first ever. Friend or Stratocaster in the UK, because he was a buddy modeling himself and Buddy Holly. But yeah, Cliff was absolutely huge in the UK for decades. Still is, still amazingly touring and recording in the eighties. Uh, he sells the story. out constantly. Yeah, he sells out there in advance. Yeah, and he went on um, to to have. Oops, sorry, wrong one. Trying to find the right layout here. There we go, that's a better layout. Uh, I mean, it was, these guys, so now another bit of trivia is Bruce Welsh, the other guitar player, was married to Olivia Newton-John for many years, so um, make of that what you will. (laughs) But great, cool, very, very cool uh, rock and roll band back in the day, but he soon moved into mainstream pop, But just hit after hit after hit for decades. Now, Apache is the one Shadow song that people may may know in the US because it was sampled by all the hip-hop acts uh, back in the uh, the 80s. So uh, it was a big, fairly well-known instrumental hit, even in the US. But other than that, nothing. So he became this clean-cut kind of pop icon. Have you ever
5: encountered a Mal in person? Uh, just briefly, we'd done uh, we'd done a show, one of these uh, Nordoff Robins, which is a, a big charity event. Mm. Uh, and there was, I think, oh, God, I was with Pink Floyd, but Paul McCartney were on the bill as well. Cliff oh, was on the bill. Yeah. It's all these yeah. huge English, you know, or worldwide artists, you know, uh, mm. and they raise a lot of money for charity. And that was at Nedworth. We had an audience of like 150,000 or something.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to, to put over just how popular this guy is in the UK to this day. Uh, staple of television and, and made movies. But I guess America had Elvis. What did they need Cliff yeah. for?
5: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he wants... He, he, you know, in the early days, even everybody in England said the same thing: yeah. "He's just copying Elvis. He's just another Elvis." Yeah. You know, and you don't need two of them. You've got one unique one, Elvis.
4: Yeah, that's right. Why do you need another one? Which I think, I mean, and like all these guys, he pretty quickly got away from the straightforward rock and roll and went to pop. Here he does with Billy Graham.
5: He became a born again Christian in the sixties. About to say that he, he got on this, you know, on the Christian bandwagon. Yeah, early days, you know, and he's still there with that. And if you go on tour with him, you swear us, take the Lord's name in vain, and you're off the tour.
4: Yeah, yeah, he's a pretty hardcore with that, which is why when he had a hit with Devil Woman, he actually struggled with it because he didn't, wasn't sure he should be recording that song, but he did it and it was a huge hit. So, um, And it is one of his better songs. He had a, a run of quite good albums in the 70s where he was covering stuff by Cat Stevens and, and people like that and, and some quite good rock and roll stuff. Um, but never hip. He's the most unhip artist in history. And yet here I find myself with like two or three of his albums in my collection, which is weird. Um, not that I'm hip. But here's, he made a bunch of movies as well. Summer Holiday. Um, that one never. Can
5: I just point out something? David Kossoff. Paul Kosov's father. Absolutely. Yeah, what a player. Of Free, if anyone knows the
4: band Free, yeah. all right Free. now. His son, yeah. David Kosov's Paul Kossoff's guitarist's father. He was an actor. Uh, great. Well, ca- good catch, Mal. Good catch. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he had a bunch of these movies. And George Harrison once, uh, just before the Beatles had done Ed Sullivan, he'd actually gone to America on holiday. And he said he saw Summer Holiday third on the bill in an American cinema. So it was like third in a double feature. <laughs> um, yeah, because only the Brits could make a film about going on holiday in a bus.
5: in a Yeah, double-decker bus.
4: Yeah. yeah. But yeah, in the 70s, had a bunch of big hits. A couple were mentioned, Devil Woman, We Don't Talk Anymore. It became more of a kind of, I was saw more like a sort of David Cassidy-ish type act by then. Uh Uh Um, You know, but hard-working guy, tons of... He got known for Christmas records, did a lot of Christmas records. Um, So, like, you know, just every year, when's Cliff's Cliff's number one Christmas record coming out, you know? Um, But, yet never really... Nobody in America could probably name the guy, or hardly anybody. But, yeah. that's... You know, he,
1: yeah. With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So, I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
1: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
5: he done a duet with Van Morrison. He did. Because, yeah, yeah, uh, whenever
4: God shines his light, I think it was called. Yeah,
5: that's it. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he he did. He absolutely worked with Van Morrison. He's worked with a lot of people. Uh, him and the Shadows generally you know have a lot of they had a lot of reunions I mean they're a bit past that now but um, um, just another quick snippet if you don't mind me this is the Shadows Apache which some people may recognise and that lots of bits of this were sampled by the hip-hop crowd so they themselves had a parallel a huge parallel career of their own and almost as many hits as cliff even though they didn't really sing it was all instrumental yeah great song So, have Dustin and John, uh, Courtney, have any of you guys heard of this stuff?
3: Well, I've heard Apache, and uh, I've heard a couple of Cliff Richards hits, but um, yeah, you know, just he's, he's not like something that's you know that, that you know I know right off the bat.
4: Yeah, and of course, the British invasion kind of killed acts like Cliff to a certain extent. He did reinvent himself as a pop singer, but um, the Beatles just killed that stuff to tune dead, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, I
7: would not know him music-wise other than what you played, which is very interesting to me. I mean, when yeah. You said his name, but when you showed uh, Summer Holiday, I'm into a lot of those old kind of beach party movies from America. Oh, so no. i am seen... I've seen
4: a couple of his movies. So that's he, did. But, he, some, and he, he did. He did musicals. Yeah, he did The Young Ones, uh, Summer Holiday. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm trying to think of some more. Um, I've got another one. There's another great clip I've got of him. Uh, oh, no, here's Summer Holiday. Hang on. Just for a few seconds of this before we get... So, as you say, British people go on holidays in
2: buses.
4: (laughs) But yeah, this was um, probably the Beatles were out by now, so he was. Middle of the road was the way forward for these days. But they're fun. It's fun movies. But I actually wanted to show one more thing about The Shadows. I have this album in my collection from, I think it's from like 1967. This is a Shadows album called Shades of Rock. Now look at that cover. Isn't that cover awesome?
3: That is very <laughs> punk.
4: That is cool. Isn't that the coolest cover ever? I think it's 1967. It's got, well, it might be later, it's got Proud Mary on it as one of the covers they do. No. Wow. I,
7: just,
4: I love this cover. <laughs> and that was the whole mods and rockers thing. Yeah. I don't think the mod stuff really ever caught on in the US, like the, the, the Who did, but the mods
5: thing. I don't know, no, if I'm you not, are. I, can't, I, can't I can't think of think need a transparent cover, mm. apart from that. Yeah, you know, but that yeah was, a lot that,
4: of those mod bands didn't really make it. The small faces we're going to talk about a little bit, but uh, Courtney, do you, th- I mean, the mod thing, the sharp dressing and the whatever, I guess they took it from America with the soul and Motown thing, kind of pushed it back again. See, to-
7: I wasn't alive back in that day, so I don't I don't know much about the mod thing in uh, America to be mm-hmm. honest, but it, until the like 90s, it, came, it became a big thing. People were bringing back that style with the Vespas and stuff like that. A lot of them um, different uh, cultures like uh, like, they stem from punk.
4: Indeed. So, yeah, the Mod, again, the Mod Rockers thing was kind of almost a British (laughs) sideshow. Like, Mm. Americans would be like, was there
6: about? like a TV show, like the Mod Squad TV show or something like that back in
5: the day? Uh, well, I mean... If you want to know about the Mods and Rockers, watch Quadrophenia. Quadrophenia. I was
7: just going to say that. Yeah, That's watch Quadrophenia.
4: Yeah. Did you ever get yeah. caught up in that stuff, Mal, in, in your in pre, pre-rody days in Hartlepool? Was there a Mod yeah, Rocker sure. thing?
5: That- I, was more, I leaned more to the Mod than the Rocker. You know, and uh, yeah. it was what so, fights? It was a violent time, you know. There was a lot of violence between the mods and the rockers, because of the the different genres of music. You know, the, the, the I can't even think what rock music they were listening to. But we well, were the rockers to- were
4: rock and roll, like old old school rock and roll with the teddy boy yeah. Luke or the we, leathers.
5: The Lewis and uh, you know Chuck Berry. That that rock type of
4: rock and roll. Yeah, the movie That'll be the day, um, the, the David Essex thing talks a yeah. lot about that as well with Keith Moon and Dave Edmonds and others that are in that. They're the Rods and Rockers fighting. It's another great British rock and roll movie. That'll be the day. Um But yeah, Cliff never never really had a couple of hits, but given his UK career didn't really make it. But um Another band I wanted to, to mention were The Move. Mm-hmm. So The Move with Roy Wood and then later Jeff Lynn. Again, had a lot of British success. Virtually nothing in America. I think a minor hit for the song Do Ya, which Jeff Lynne re recorded with ELO later. Um, they got, and they got
7: kind of psychedelic, right? Weren't they
4: a psychedelic band? Yeah, kind of. They were <laughs> proto psychedelic, uh, proto psychedelic rock metal. Um, bit of rock and a roll. A bit mod, you know. Yeah, they had a yeah. bit of everything. But Roy Wood. I, I, no, go ahead. I put him into
7: that garage, kind of psychedelic garage um, kind of genre.
4: Yeah, I mean, 29 nine, nine top 20 hits in the UK in the late 60s, early 70s, two number one singles Blackberry, Wayflower, and the Rain, multiple top 40 albums, uh, top 10 albums. One minor hit in the US, which was late on in their career with Do ya. and then of course they beat Jeff Lynn from ELO, which were massive. So he, he kind of he eventually found the formula. Uh, so yeah, is that a band any of you guys are familiar with? And the uh, other than Courtney,
3: uh, ELO. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah, ELO obviously became huge. But Jeff and Jeff Lynn didn't start out in the movie, he joined them later. But uh, there he is yeah, with slightly yeah. shorter beard. Right here. Yeah,
5: no, I was I was a big fan of theirs back in the day, back then. You know, you had a, a guitar player called Ace Kefford. Oh, God, it was yeah, really good. good.
4: Yeah. yeah, the original move lineup with Ace Kefford and uh, Trevor Boulder, was it Tre- not Trevor, yeah. uh, Trevor, great, great thumping rock band. Uh, yeah. Did you did you ever encounter those guys? So they done they were kind of done by seventy two.
5: Just as in the audience, you know, I went to see them play live a couple of times. Yeah, fantastic yeah. band.
4: Yeah, and again, I'm just going to try and play a little clip of of them just to give everyone a taste of it, uh, of what they're like. Never made it in the US. I don't, unlike other bands of that time. You know, Pink. This is it. So when they were really hitting big in Britain, Pink Floyd were too. The original Pink Floyd lineup. Other bands that did eventually translate, but maybe it was just too British. I don't know. So um, just have a, a tiny little. Um, So, the, this is the PGF Lynn lineup, but great, great band. I don't think they ever played much in America because of legal difficulties, if I could put it that way. Very thumping, bass driven sound as well, which I absolutely love. I don't know
3: so why yeah, that didn't catch on.
4: I don't know. They they they're, they're hits. They're hit singles in Britain, like that one. I can hear the grass Go, Blackberry Way, Flowers in the Rain, Fire Brigade are really catchy pop rock hits. Nothing yeah. did nothing in America. Uh, which and as they didn't tour until maybe sixty nine in the US. So even though they started in sixty six, because they had a little bit of legal difficulty in the UK got sued by the Prime Minister, uh, Harold Wilson. <laughs> you yeah, I mean, some
6: of these bands didn't get a, did get a fair shake in the United States because, like, not so much like uh, the audiences didn't like it, the audiences didn't get a chance to hear it.
4: Possibly, because as I say, they didn't tour or even play any gigs and I think in the end they didn't even tour in the US. They played like two gigs at Winterland or something and um, they, they, they had difficulty travelling because they did all these legal difficulties in the UK, getting sued by the prime minister for claiming he slept with his secretary, which he probably did,
5: <laughs> allegedly. You
4: remember that, Mal? Don't you? That big storm? Yeah, at the
5: yeah, yeah. I mean, and they and they had a a another manager that would uh, break the law everywhere, you know
4: yeah they were they were legendary for their uh outlaw tactics pr tactics uh yeah. but yeah just super musical but roy wood is a fantastic songwriter went to form wizard uh, after forming elo and then leaving it with jeff lane went to form wizard again not a big band in america but, um and then bands like cheap trick i adore them and cover a lot of their tracks uh just great, great, great band. I think they've got a little clip here, I'll play of them with Jeff Lynn, just so you can get a little touch of uh touch of that. Here, indulging their uh, proto rock and roll stuff.
6: You gotta see where Prince got his
4: style
6: from. to got style
4: from. Well, there is a touch of that. It's weird that you mentioned that. Yeah, but uh, Roy Wood playing the sax there at the back—that's what he, this look he took into his band Wizard, who were after uh, the move, and they all just straightforward horn-based rock and roll stuff. And Cheap Trick, of course, famously covered this on the Boudiccan. But yeah, great little band. Um, never did a thing in the US. So
7: I I have a question.
4: Yeah.
7: is That's the same person who was in a band called The Idol Race?
4: Yes, Jeff Lynn was his original ah. Birmingham band were The Idol Race. Another great little yeah. band who never made it in Britain either, of course. But um, okay. So Jeff Lynn was idle race then the move and then ELO and uh it, he's always been a fantastic songwriter. So eventually he just he, he got the formula right. <laughs> so ELO were huge, you know. Uh but yeah, I, I, I've always felt the move should really have been a bigger band than they were. It's interesting you saw them live, Mal, because I'd love to go back and see them live.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I was a big big Move fan, you know. Yeah, Yeah. great live band.
4: The live recordings I've got from their anthology albums are ferocious. They're proto-metal, hard rock, uh, extended guitar solo workouts, stuff that you you never not associate with Roy Wood. But you not think Roy Wood, the guitar player, he absolutely tore the shit out of it (laughs) live. Yeah, great little band. Uh, Alas, never big in America. Well,
3: that's going on my list. I want to hear those uh, proto-metal albums.
4: Well, I'll I'll recommend a few tracks to you, but I would recommend anyone to go out and find their. their, I think there's a four-disc anthology on the move of the move, which I've got, and it's got their live appearances in the US that they did, and there's um, some of their album tracks that they play uh, on the later albums are just. They moved more from the psychedelic into the proto-metal side, and they're just a, an awesome band. Can't praise them highly enough. But again, not a thing. They were released; all these songs were released in America, died, and yet some of them were pop hits, that jangly guitar pop hits that I thought would have been ideal for the states. But there's that thing; it just doesn't catch fire. You know, maybe they had the stuff, their own stuff.
5: They didn't need it. So, yeah, I think think it was Flowers in the Rain that was the first track ever played on Radio 2 when that station started up BBC Radio 2. Yeah, well, the Britain started its first ever pop radio
4: station, and and they were right in at the beginning in 1967. Yep. Instead of 1957, because before then you'd hear like tours of pop music a day, and the rest would be all light music, as they call it. So they started a pop station, and the first record play- actually it was the second record played. The first one, I'm being, I'm being pedantic. The
5: first one was Van der Graaf Generator's Theme One. Uh, well, I was about to say that, Brian. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm always pedantic about it as well. But it wasn't what was played every morning. That's right. Theme one opened up the radio station every morning yeah. at about 6 pm. That's
4: know?
5: right. Uh, and then, but the first actual disc that was played it was, Flowers uh, was, yeah. it was Flowers in the Rain. Flowers in the Rain. But actually, yeah, to be pedantic, yeah. I always argued no, no, it was Van de Graaff Generator. Theme That's one. Right. I'm with you because
4: that was the first music but, actually played. Yeah.
5: Which was Italy
4: well that's right yeah I mean you were involved heavily with that band and that one was produced by George Martin uh, written and produced by George Martin I think theme one but uh, yeah. um, we did play it on one of the shows that you were on with, with us but this is Flowers in the Rain just briefly Woke up one
5: morning half asleep with all my blankets in a heap and yellow roses scattered all around the time was still approaching for I couldn't stand it anymore so there he goes upon my eye to die
4: just beautifully catchy psychedelic based pop you know
5: and that 12 string sound you know that he had going then that yeah. was totally yeah. you know yeah i have never understood how that song in particular
4: was never a hit in america it's just so beautiful
3: yeah uh, such is life
4: American
3: so, audiences are fickle,
4: is what it is. Uh, fickle. I guess it would have taken somebody in the U.S. to pick them up and promote them hard, like to really carry them like a DJ or a, a TV yeah. show or something. But it just, it's, it never happened, unfortunately. Uh, you know, but the stuff's still out there to listen to. And Roy Wood's still performing. Jeff Lynn's obviously still performing. Um. I don't, did you ever uh, do anything with ELO Mal as well or, or in any bills
5: with and we I worked for a band called Steve Hillage, hmm. who were on Virgin Records uh mid seventies, I think it was. And we'd done the first ELO tour, you know, when they had the spaceship. Oh wow. We were the support act on that for a lot of the shows. So you didn't mm. have to worry about the spaceship. No, nothing to do with me. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to say because they did have some hiccups with that, you know. Yeah,
4: that's uh, mm-hmm. that is quite interesting because the um,
5: that must have been a logistical nightmare on
4: that spaceship. Yeah,
5: yeah. I mean, it'd be it'd be now. It would be far easier to do now than it was then. Yeah, I'll bet. Um,
4: So there's another. uh, We've probably got about what, uh, Martin, about five minutes to the top of the hour, five, seven minutes. Yeah, we're we're still half five minutes. Yeah. uh, So I wanted to move on to an act we've just, just for a couple of minutes, we've talked about, which was actually Americans that moved to Britain to make it. There's a handful of those and we're going to talk about a couple later on in the show. But right now, one we've mentioned already is the Walker brothers. Who were three American guys. They weren't brothers. They just adopted the name the Walker brothers and all called themselves Scott, Gary and John Walker. But they weren't really brothers. And they, they were American guys that moved to Britain to and had a number of hits. And were actually really popular in the late sixties, early seventies in Britain. This song is the only one that had any kind of impact in America, even though they were American guys. The sun ain't going to shine anymore. Uh, but I recall Mrs. Rock fan particularly talking about when she was a teenager in the late sixties. These guys were all over British magazines and and all over British TV. Not that she's British, but they used to get them in Canada, the British stuff. And she say, and then she'd go down to America. No one had heard of them. Um, so I mean you were talking about them earlier, Mal, that
5: they they were on very package tours. Yeah, I think I think they actually done a, a tour with the Stones back in the day, you know, there was yeah. support act. And I think uh Ike and Tina Turner, the Walker Brothers, the Stones, very mixed. You got very mixed musical acts on those tours back yeah. in the day. Well, uh, uh, they toured with Jimi Hendrix in the UK once. Well, there you go, yeah. Actually, I might have seen him. Uh, I only seen Hendrix perform once. Uh, and that was... Uh, they had a band called Air Apparent open oh. for them.
4: Yeah, was not... Um, uh, was Gary Moore in that? No, he was Skid Row.
5: Yeah. Yeah, uh, a guy called... Uh, Henry McCulloch. Yeah, he was in the Wings. Yeah, Joe, I mean, he was in Wings and he was in Joe Cockerby prior to Wings. Ah, that's right, yeah. yeah. He was yeah. doing that great guitar intro for you know, Little Up for My Friends, Henry yeah. McCulloch. Yeah, because he played
4: with Joe Cocker and um, Woodstock, was it Woodstock and all of that stuff? He mean, he did yeah. all the festivals, yeah. Air apparently were E I R E, of course, the Irish yeah. heir, not not air,
5: not A I R. I think the Walker brothers may have been on that bill as well. And uh, uh ELP, but it was a prior to ELP, I don't think they were called the, ELP. The nice, was it the nice? The nice, yeah, yeah, and Jimmy. Yeah, you know, a strange bill Amazed by those bills they had,
4: package bills they had in yeah. those days but, so the Walker brothers who are really kind of crooners in a sense with that yeah. sort of Phil spector righteous brothers thing going on there they are supporting Jimi Hendrix who is the complete opposite
5: Very, very well thought of, you know, the, the singer so still today it's you bill know, Walker. he's, he's Scott Walker is regarded as a great singer in England yeah
4: Yeah. so just briefly because we may have a little bit of time like 30 seconds Martin I wanted to just play a tiny bit of uh, one of their hits that wasn't a hit in America make it easy on yourself so let's so have a quick
5: peek. latest from the Walker
0: Brothers written by Bacharach and David make it easy on yourself
4: A
2: voice
4: you, and I yeah a gorgeous voice scott walker died Try took a couple of years ago a, not that long i think they're all maybe passed away now. i'm surprised this wasn't
2: it
5: Yeah, it
4: surprises me. It's very full spectre, very righteous brothers. It's a Burt McElroy song, but
7: you that can tell.
4: You can. And then they had a huge hit in the 70s with a song called No Regrets, which later on, Midge had a hit with Scottish singer. Yeah, um, huh. but, yeah but the walker bullet... So go ahead, Mum. No, I just, yeah, Midge Ewer. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the Walker brothers were hugely popular with the girls. So, yeah, never made it in America. Good looking American guys never made it in America. So. Anywho, Martin, um, are we heading to the top?
3: I would say so. Bill, we'll take us so, away. All
4: right. Hi, guys. This is Gary from Pop Culture
5: Minefield here on KGRA, and we're leaving for our first break i hope we survive
1: did you know 75 percent of americans are chronically dehydrated if you struggle with focus run low on energy or when it's time to finally sleep you simply can't this can all be linked to dehydration and fuel up has the answer our proprietary formula contains the finest cellular hydration with the strongest immune enhancing natural ingredients the fuel up system is made up of three different incredibly tasting varieties Wake, kickstart your day with a jolt of caffeine. Play, boosts focus while hydrating your cells. Rest, not only helps you relax, but also rejuvenates your cells while you sleep. Here's what our clients have to say. I really don't miss my coffee. And you can tell the difference. So
0: I'm gonna take it for the energy. I'm gonna take it for the play. I'm gonna take it you know, all day. And it works. That's the thing, it works. We love it.
1: Take the Fuel Up Challenge now, where we offer a Feel the Difference money-back guarantee. Fuel Up for Life.
0: Hey members, the new KGRA-DB app is now available on iOS and Android devices. Gain on-demand access to any KGRA-DB programming. Download any show directly to your mobile device to listen or watch on the go. Go to the App Store and search KGRA-DB. Oh wow, we
6: survived. Welcome back to the commercial break. Now for some more pop culture
0: minefield. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
4: Welcome back indeed. Thank you, everybody, for being here with us out there on YouTube, Rumble, KGRA, Digital Broadcasting. We appreciate it very much. We're here talking about British acts that never made it in America with our special guest, rock and roll rowdy, Mal Craggs. Uh, peace, peace out man (laughs) so uh, yeah um, we're going to get to some meat and potatoes now as they say um, with a couple of bands that you've worked with that I adore and have beaten their head against a brick wall probably literally headbangers trying to make it in the US and the first of those is the mighty mighty status quo uh, who have been going since 1966 and are still going in some form today. It's only one original member left in the band, Francis Rossi. Um, But status quo formed way back in 62. And they had a couple of different names, but they, they have had this to reel, just to reel off their British stats, 33 studio albums, 10 live albums, hundreds of singles, 60 chart hits in the UK 22 top 10 hits and three number one singles. Uh, one of the most successful British bands in chart history, 118 million records sold worldwide. However, only one ever hit in the US in 1966 with pictures of matchstick men and it's nothing like the rest of their output from the 70s onward.
5: Absolutely
4: not. <laughs> yeah, um, one hit in '66, and yet here's this band that I've. Here, I'm talking about the Quo again, Darius, because I absolutely adore the Quo. Here is a picture you sent me earlier, Mal.
5: Yeah, that was it, just uh, yeah, just about the get production rehearsals. You know, uh, so, before I can't remember what tour that was. You know, so probably I just, in the world.
4: Yeah, I suspect this is around about 1978, 77, yeah, 78, yeah. rocking all over the world tour. Where are you in here?
5: I'm uh, on the, well, my right, the second in. No?
4: No,
5: that's it.
4: No, oh, that's you. That's yeah, it. I recognize you. That's recognize it. No, you. Right. That's
5: you right there where the mouse and is. My, my wife's in that picture somewhere as well. My fut- My future ex-wife.
4: Future ex-wife,
5: okay. <laughs> they're no. All future, they're all future ex-wives. <laughs> we met through status quo, via status quo in Australia, yeah. and uh, we're still married today. She worked for them for a long time.
4: Yeah, and they they became, they started in the 60s as a bit of a sort of psychedelic pop band, and then that, after the early couple of hits they had, Fell Away... And they reinvented themselves as a denim-clad 12-bar hard rock boogie band. And this is a result, as you can see, they became enormously successful. Beloved live act. I mean, I've seen them a few times back in the day. It's just always such fun. And oh, yeah. uncompromising 12-bar boogie. Um but this is what they oh, looked like in the 60s. Yeah,
5: they were just the best at what they did. You know, yeah. There was other bands around doing a similar you know, boogie-type thing, but they were just the best. They
4: were. They absolutely nailed it. And uh, the long hair, the denim-clad look, and the uh, heads-down, no-nonsense, mindless boogie. They were just adored. They began, they became like the queen mother of rock bands. (laughs) Like they've been around forever and beloved in the UK. Yeah. I'm wondering if this picture is why they didn't become popular in America. (laughs) Those
5: frilly shits. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yeah. I think they were moving from, you know, they were doing. Holiday parks and stuff like that is where they started out.
2: Yeah, you know, Butlins.
5: Uh, and Butlins, yeah. And that cabaret type performance. And that's where they moved from. Yeah. And that, you know, they obviously learned their trade in that while they were doing that.
4: They you did. Know. And I think they they, they they had like two hits in the UK. And one of those was this this the hit that was their only hit in America, which. Um, was pictures of matchstick men. I like they have a greeny black and white look at that. Hang on, here we go. So
3: Which I've already got stuck in my head now. Yeah, this this was nineteen sixty six.
4: It sticks in your head, doesn't it? Now, the guy playing that riff, Francis Rossi, is the only remaining original member.
3: And he's touring right
4: now. Yeah, he's touring right now in a solo speaking acoustic type thing, yeah. But yeah, this is full on psychedelia. but the only one that was ever hit in America was this one. So there's a sort of band you would see as a Nuggets type thing now in America, like One Hit Wonder, Garage Psychedelia, yet they had this entire career after this. You would
7: swear that someone's playing the mouth harp.
4: You would, yeah. There's a, a thing going on, yeah. and The, the, the phased guitar playing and whatever. When
5: when yeah. And I think that's the last time you would ever see Francis Rossi playing the Les Paul. He just switched to uh, Telecasters from then on. Full and one Telecaster, yeah. yeah. always Telecaster from then on in.
4: Yeah, so, yeah. so the they took off, reinvented themselves 1970 suddenly reappeared after being consigned to the dustbin as this denim-clad boogie band and albums like Piledriver. That's a classic status quo look.
5: Yeah. A look I could never achieve. I think it's been well-copied since then. It has, yeah. Um, Now, they actually did a, a whole series of adverts
4: I'm getting quite a lot of feedback here. whole series of adverts in the 1970s for, I think it was Lee Jeans, maybe?
5: Yeah.
4: Or Wrangler, I mean, one of these. Yeah. Lewis, Wrangler. Yeah, yeah. and, and, they, and they, cause they had this denim-clad look, and apparently they never got paid for this. They just had as much denim as they could wear.
5: <laughs> Somebody got paid for it. <laughs> Somebody got paid for it. Somebody got paid for it, but live a
4: ferocious live band, you know, full-on performance every night, um, thumping rock music. Yeah, uh, beloved band.
5: And just I used to make make money selling my jeans to Rick Parfitt, the guy in the middle there, Mm. because Mm. you know, because I was a roadie back in the day and humping equipment around would get your jeans worn out pretty quick. And that, that's the look they wanted. They couldn't get that look. You know, you couldn't buy stone washed and all of that business back then. So they loved that, that natural fade and wear. I used to sell them to Rick with my jeans for twice the price of what I paid for them. Yeah, you actually had to wear things in those days to get the worn look.
4: Yeah. Well, if, yeah. if
7: you remember, if you remember from the movie Quadrophenia, the opposite, um, wearing the jeans in the bathtub to make them fit right.
4: Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, uh, the did you sell him the shorts as well though?
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know. You... <laughs>
4: And this is the album that you were touring with them on "Rocking All Over the World," a massive hit album in the entire world except America. And yet,
5: it's the most yeah. American-sounding album they yeah. ever made. We went, we went all over the world on that except America. We went to Japan, Australia, New Zealand, all over Europe. Mm. It is the the, the
4: weirdest. Uh, like and and even like this hit and All the World," it's a John Fogarty song. Yeah, and Fantastic.
5: you can't get more you can't get more American than that. So yeah, um, denim, denim and John Fogerty, you know, they kind of go together as well.
4: Yeah, and of course the yeah. Open Live Aid, which you were, as we discussed on the last show on my channel, you were an integral yeah. part of with Phil Collins. So let's have uh-huh. a quick look at them opening of Live Aid. Quintessential good time band, you know. He's played the Francis. Uh, sorry, Rick plays like Green Kelly to this day. Yeah. Uh, absolutely adore them. Um, but yeah, never made it in America. I guess they tried. I mean, they must have toured multiple times.
5: Yeah, they didn't do that much touring of America. And then I think Francis just gave up on it. You know, they weren't getting anywhere. And I think they drew a line and said, no, we won't waste our time and energy on that. When they were being so, you know, well-received in the rest of the world, they kind of took that attitude. Do we need America? America doesn't seem to want us. Do we need America? Yeah.
4: Yeah, funny because there were plenty boogie bands in America. Humble Pie, which was, I guess was British. But oh, anyway. fantastic!
5: Fantastic.
4: Yeah, the, the, so it wasn't like that kind of music wasn't popular. It just for whatever reason, maybe it was just too, too British. I don't know. Whatever that means. Yeah, maybe. And here they are in the reunion.
7: Kind
4: of like Vegemite. Vegemite. Like Vegemite. <laughs> so this is the Frantic Four reunion when the, the original band split up quite a while ago, and only Francis and Rick continued but they they got back together with the other two guys John Cochran the drummer and Alan Lancaster the bass player for a final kind of original foursome tour and unfortunately of course now Alan Lancaster and and uh, Rick Parker are dead now unfortunately um so really it's all
5: yeah at that it, reunion Alan was very sick at the time he was yeah.
4: they did it for him really yeah I think yeah but yeah, 12 gold bars, the quintessential collection of their hits because <laughs> it's all 12 bar blues. They don't need a fourth chord. Status quo never needed a fourth chord. So, you know.
5: Never needed
4: one. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, jo- John, you've been listening to some of their stuff. What do you think? Do you think there's a reason they didn't make it?
3: If there is, I can't figure it out because uh, some of their stuff's really, really good.
4: Yeah, I guess maybe one day there'll be some kind of reassessment and maybe they'll... uh,
5: Maybe it was too simple. I don't know. Maybe it was too simple, too easy, you know, three chords, you know. Well, you have to remember, I guess, that at that point in time, progressive
4: rock was huge. And these guys (laughs) were completely the opposite direction. And they weren't all the heavy... they They weren't the heavy metal way, although heavy metal fans liked... The quote too, but they, they didn't go completely all that way. But there was no, no, you know, they didn't dress up in glitter. They didn't, uh, they didn't have all the psychedelic lasers and blah blah blah. They didn't have a keyboard player. Or any well, they had a little bit later of
5: keyboards. But yeah, Andy Bound with in a band with Peter Frampton. Yeah, Andy yeah. Bowen.
4: Yeah, that's right. The yeah. keyboard player, he, he's been he's still with CORE today. Yeah, yeah. he played that yeah. piano and rocking all over the world. But when you toured with him, was that an experience you really enjoyed?
5: It was, it was, yeah, <laughs> for all kinds of reasons. Some <laughs> of <laughs> them I can't mention. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Yeah, well, I'd, uh, ch- I'd urge anyone that that's interested check out, particularly their 1970s output. And then they went a little bit more poppy in the 80s and lighter. They got away f- a little bit. They did. They had some pop hits like in the Army Now and Army,
5: yeah.
4: Um, yeah, Lightened their image up a little bit from the the boogie, but the um, just the, that 70s material. It's just you put on an album like Blue for You or Hello on uh, Caroline and songs like Caroline and Down Down.
5: They're just on, turn up the yeah. really volume. They were, you know, co-written with uh, Bob Young, yeah. who was their actual tour manager as well, and he used to play harmonica on stage with them. He did. There's the early
4: 1970 footage of them on the BBC playing all the early blues rock stuff that they did when they changed, and he's playing all the harmonica and it, Bob Young, yeah. yeah. Roadhouse old-
5: Blues. Roadhouse Blues was the one, you know. Yeah. Another... I've got a Bob Young album.
4: We did the status quo
5: songs with in country me. in a country style. With Mickey Moody.
4: Yeah, I've got oh. that album. Yeah. <laughs> a, Mickey Moody of White uh, Whitesnake. Yeah. Yep. Uh that's an interest did, did you ever work with Whitesnake, the original White Snake, not when David Coverdale stabbed them all in the back and went off to Hollywood, but
5: no, no. I, I never worked, got to work with those, although I knew Mickey Moody really well. And back in the day, I knew David quite well as well, because we were all from the same area in England. And oh, in actual yeah. fact, I, I'm, 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 when I moved from Oxfordshire back to London, uh, mm. I took up, uh, at this apartment that Mickey Moody was living in. He moved out yeah. and I moved in. Yeah.
4: Yeah. yeah, and I'm not knocking David, Cover- David Coverdale per se. He seems like a good enough bloke, but he did kind of ditch no. the British band. He ditched yeah. the British band and went
5: Hollywood. He definitely did. Yeah. He definitely yeah. did. I knew so... David when he didn't even look like David Coverdale.
4: <laughs> <laughs> he has a great Twitter feed, by the way. He uses Twitter the way I like to see people use it. It's it's funny. He does a lot of hilarious stuff on it, and. Uh... He's he's a lovely, positive guy, and uh, yeah, I liked I liked the cover deal era of Deep Purple uh, quite a lot. You know, I mean, the uh, it was a bit funkier, and uh, yeah, it's just kind of a good lineup that. But um, yeah. so we're gonna we're gonna talk about another band you've worked with, although you didn't have quite such a great experience. But it's another one of my favorite bands. I'm sure. Um, uh, I'm sure Darius will know. If he's still watching will know what I'm talking about. So um I gotta show this in PowerPoint. So there's so the mighty Slade. Slade Yay. British. Courtney knows him, but <laughs> Slade <laughs> Glam Rock Pioneers in Britain. Um, although the glam bit only went down to their clothing, I think. I don't know about anything else, they're pretty heavy otherwise. Fifty million records sold worldwide. Seventeen top ten singles in the UK. Six number ones. Because I love you. The one song people will know in America is "Come on, Feel the Noise" because it was covered. Also,
3: also, "Mama, We're All Crazy Now." Also done by Quiet Riot.
4: Quiet Riot. Quiet Right. specialized in covering Slade songs. As do (laughs) Cheap Trick. They cover a lot of Slade. Um, but they were like. I don't know, for the, in the period in the, the 70s in Britain, they were the biggest thing ever. And, but very British. They, the, the accents from Wolverhampton, the mannerisms, the chat, they're a very British band, and maybe that's why they didn't catch on. They were just so British. Um, huge selling band, but the only hit they really ever had in America was in uh, 1984, Run, Run Away was a hit, uh, which we'll play a little bit of later. So Slade, um, I don't know. Maybe they just didn't look the part. I don't know what it was. Dave Hill, of course, controversial leaking figure <laughs> with the hair. <laughs> That's some barnet, isn't it? <laughs> it is. That's what they call a barnet. absolutely. Um, uh, but, yeah, again, a brilliant hard-rocking band, I mean, this is an era where pop hits were hard rock guitar playing on them. Slade a lot of great songs, actually, or something to the effect was one of the first things Brian ever said to me, says Darius, and it's true. I just adored this band. I was uh, about 10 years old when they had their first hit, and I just... Now, they started as skinheads, guy. though. They started yeah. as... A... Yeah. Look at that look. I don't know if you
5: ever saw yeah. them in that era, uh, Mal, but they... It it was on the (laughs)
7: braces.
5: When I worked for them, I'd never seen them live. Uh, uh, It wasn't something I would have gone out my way to watch. Because you're not a big fan, are you? Tell us about that, Mel. (laughs) I was never really a fan of them. But I was in America at the time, in Los Angeles, and they were looking for somebody else on their road crew, and they asked me, and I said, yeah course, you know, which you did, you know, I was a bit of a prostitute back then, if somebody offered me money I would do it, you know. We all would be. <laughs> <laughs> how much? And uh, often touring with them, uh, and it was strange, I found, you know, because I'd been touring America back then with bands like Uriah Heap, Nazareth, Wishborn Ash, you know, which had uh, some for me, better music. Yeah. And, and then, because I knew Slade from being very pop in England mm. and glam rock thing, you know, with a lot of makeup on, silly clothing. And it wasn't for me really, but, you know, the dollar, the almighty dollar. You know, so if I went on tour with them, and it was hard work. We were yeah. driving back to back overnight, you know, one gig to the next just flogging it. The budget must have been pretty tight because Mm. they worked hard, you know. They were pushing hard. They
4: unlike the quo, they pushed hard to make it in America, like gig after gig supporting Alice Cooper, bands like that, KISS and just Yeah,
5: Yeah, I was on that we supported KISS a couple of times on that tour I did with them. Yeah. So this they They
4: quickly dropped this bover boy, as they called it, Luke, because they found that they were getting the shit beaten out of them at gigs. Uh, not a good choice of. <laughs> and they, I went love more for, <laughs> yeah, they went more for this kind of Luke. Um, Dave Hill's hair was, was a constant source of wonderment. Um, <laughs> I just love this cover. But every the week. Hair. Every week. Yeah, the hair. Every week on the top hair of the, with pot, the body.
0: That's right, yeah.
4: Every week, on top of the pops, Slade would be on with something. Every week. Yeah. Yeah. For like Every years. week. But this this uh, is one of the this... more restrained stage outfits.
5: They were still wearing that stuff when I was touring with them in America, and I yeah. don't the Americans could identify with that, you know. I don't know what Dave Hill's wearing. <laughs> I would have loved them. <laughs> Still.
4: Like, he's he's like some kind of uh, cross between a Dalek and a nun. I, don't know <laughs> I was thinking
2: called. the same thing. <laughs> a nun. Look.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know what he's wearing. What is he wearing? I mean, it's mixed me right up. I <laughs> it. oh, Lady Gaga I'm, got
7: some style from him.
4: <laughs>
5: Lady Gaga's no, got nothing no. on Dave Hill. The same outfit it, with all those little mirrors stuck on it. He had the top hat you yeah. know, and a wig that matched. You know, so maybe... <laughs> yeah, and... Um, dana came so, up with those things. Yeah, so they had
4: a... I mean, the mid-70s, they were just enormous. They have made a movie, Slade and Flame, which is a great movie. And then, the, yeah. unfortunately, uh, Andy, the is Andy, the drummer? Is it Andy? The, um, no, no. Uh, uh, not Andy. Um, Don Powell. But Don Powell, yeah. I keep thinking Cozy Powell, yeah. different drummer. Don Powell. The like, <laughs> <laughs> like ex- okay. ex- ex- <laughs> No different drummer.
5: No different drummer.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh, he had a really bad car accident and brain damage and whatever. and He got back eventually, but it derailed their career. And they just, fads changed, glam went away, things moved into heavy metal, And they had a bit of a resurrection because of that, though. The new wave of British heavy metal um, came in with Iron Maiden and all that. And Slade stood in for another band at Reading Festival, which is a big rock festival in Britain in 1980. And initially, people were booing them. And then they started playing, and the crowd just went nuts. Because they weren't metal. It was a metal crowd. But by the end of the gig, they had the crowd eating out the palm of their hands. And they were back.
5: It it obviously had those metal overtones to it, you know, that little... uh... Yeah,
4: I I don't know who they stood in for. It was somebody that couldn't make it, like, thin, lazy, or some, you know, you name it, a a, a recognised hard rock band, and Slade stood in, and everyone was like, oh, God, you know, what are we going to get here? They just killed it. And they started recording more hard rock stuff
7: who would you pick then or Smade?
4: I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> choose between them you can't choose between your I children <laughs>
2: <laughs> good they're
4: both great <laughs> in their own way <laughs> mm-hmm. and so they had a bit of a resurgence then in the early 80s and including that one American hit run run away which was kind of a big they were going for a big country-ish kind of sound I think and, yeah uh but yeah he yeah, got- you do that Another not so good look, but I think that's the. <laughs> I, going, I think they're going to
5: the games with the reference to Don and his accident. He used to like to drink, uh, you know, a vodka and tonic or something, or gin and tonic on stage. And um, we were told not to give him any, you know. So we used to just give him tonic water with lots of ice in it, and we <laughs> used to sit <laughs> drunk. I don't know how, you know, because he lost all his sense of taste and smell oh, right. when he had an accident. He lost all the sense of taste and smell. Oh, see, he never knew what he gave him, you know. He just thought it was alcohol.
4: Yeah, well, that was to see you were doing him a favour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, again, Darius mentioned Thin Lizzy being like a band that was only known for one song, like Boys Are Back in Town, but again, mm-hmm. massively whiskey popular. Diddly 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 potatoes. Um, yeah, Slade. Fantastic. Oh yeah, I love. I've seen Thin Lizzy. Funnily enough, you mentioned Thin Lizzy, and we didn't, but I'm going to mention them anyway. This gig, I was at this gig, Slade with the Eric Bell Band, who played guitar on "Whiskey in the Jar," the original Thin Lizzy guitar oh, player. Oh my
2: goodness!
4: And Diamond Diamond Head, who were one of my favourite bands at the time. At the time. That was a great gig. It was in Wolverhampton. Am I yes, Am I Evil. Brilliant record. Um, this was in Wolverhampton, which was Slade's hometown in 1980. Oh, and it was just a riot. It was brilliant. What a gig. But Eric Bell was, the, was one of the acts, and he was good too. Um, but yeah, so they, they kind of went for a more uh, metal um, sound in the early 80s and had quite a bit of success until they kind of disbanded in the mid-80s. I think Noddy was tired of screaming all the time, you know. Because I'm not sure this is... Uh,
2: baby, baby, baby!
4: I'm not sure I've got my audio setting so you could hear that. <laughs> could yeah. you hear the oh, yeah. Right, yeah. So he was tired of that stuff, I think. He went on to be on TV, did a lot of TV stuff. But, um,
5: and he does. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody, is released on December the 1st, you know, and you hear it all over Christmas on every station. Yeah.
4: So um, a, yeah. Yeah, a huge hit with a song called Merry Christmas Everybody. Possibly in my opinion the best Christmas rock song ever. But and it's like yeah. every year huge hit again. But,
5: uh, yeah. yeah. He reckon uh, he reckoned makes a quarter of a million pounds from that alone every year. Yeah, well as nobody said that's me pension plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as he said, it's my pension plan.
4: <laughs> yeah, um, so we're gonna have a, a tiny couple of tiny clips of of Slade. Uh, I'm glad Courtney likes and uh, knows him and likes him because that, that's pretty cool. Uh, that was, was the, one of the
7: first bands that we talked about, I think, that we agreed on them and the Stranglers.
4: <laughs> yeah,
5: so this is well, then one of the, the first ones as well. i done American Two with the Stranglers.
7: Mm.
4: great
5: band Great band. Yeah. I
7: have questions for you later. <laughs>
5: oh, ask
4: it now. Ask it now, Courtney. Well, now you, just...
7: now you put me on the spot. I just want to know all about it
4: <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get next time, Miles, and we'll I'll... talk. We're, we're going to do
5: that. You know what the column had left by then. Hugh Cornwall. Yeah. Hugh Cornwall would left.
4: All oh, right. You Was that era? Yeah. Understandable. Uh... Yeah. I saw Hugh Cornwall on his on a solo tour. I saw him live on a solo tour. He only did one of song, which was... Uh, was it No Mercy? No Mercy?
7: No More Heroes no. is a big...
4: He didn't do anime. No More Heroes. He just did... Love yeah, it. he didn't He didn't do any of that stuff, which I love that. I love that, you know, of course. But uh, I do too. So, so the Stranglers sound like <laughs> that. Is. Kind of, <laughs> I think maybe you're more into this sort of... Choking the chicken, Darius. <laughs> the what? Darius, <laughs> Darius, would like them. He would
7: like this
4: one. Mal knows what I'm um, talking about. Raising.
3: <laughs> <laughs> this is this is what I love about the show and being on with Brian shows, and you know the rowdies and everything is. I always pick up somebody new to deep dive into. Mm. Yeah. Check out the yeah. stranglers.
5: I was surprised when I, I uh, again. You know, when I toured with them, I wasn't really a fan of theirs. I I knew of them, of course. But I was really surprised how many good songs they'd had out. You know, I I knew just about every song they played, you know.
4: Well, apart from the earlier New Wave-related stuff like No More Heroes and I've got a a big collection of their singles, Five Minutes and stuff like that, Uh, Peaches. They went on to do some huge pop hits like Golden Brown
5: golden brown featured, Gor- yeah. or
4: gordon brown as we used to call it in the uk <laughs> gordon brown <laughs> uk prime minister uh, but golden brown and stuff like that they were very big pop hits yeah
2: uh, they were uh,
4: you know the strangles to me were a progressive rock band hiding in the guise of a new wave band
5: yeah yeah it's you controversial know
4: controversial there i know but
5: <laughs> yeah,
4: you were a great pop band. You know, they're great songs, great songs. Oh, yeah. It's Always the Sun and, you know, stuff like that. Just beautiful songs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you You know, you just keep naming them. 90, they did a great cover of 96 Tears. Brilliant cover of that. Yeah. Their walk yeah. on by, the walk on by is just killer. Their cover of that. Yeah. With the extended instrumental break in the middle to the, key, the keyboard player. Uh, keyboard
5: player, yeah. Uh, Dave. He- you know he used to go home and dress up as a viking you know and had pet rats <laughs> no that he, we didn't know he lived in this gothic place you know and he, he you know he, he dressed up as a viking and uh had kept pet rats was it dave
4: greenfield <laughs> or green yeah i can never remember yeah. the names names are not my strong point
5: he, he died he passed recently uh, yeah i know i know
4: Jordan Bennett, no, yeah, but they're great. Another, but we'll do a whole show on the on the Stranglers soon. I think I think I have to do a Strangler show. Yeah, so just before that, though, I'm going to play a couple of quick clips of Slade just to let everyone know. What this was the first big big hit, and uh, and I'll foot forward just a bit to, to get to the action. Okay. It, all right? everybody, oh.
5: everybody to get the feet on the floor.
4: They're all Now the bass player Jim Lee plays electric violin on this. Uh, it's a beautiful song.
3: I love how they spell the titles of their songs.
4: Yeah, they deliberately put letters backwards and instead of cause because it was C-O-Z cause, you know. But yeah, having the uh, the secret weapon of Jim Lee, who was the only good-looking one. Well, Dawn, Dawn was good-looking too, but... Uh, and he could play yeah, and he could play the electric fiddle really well as well. So we'll flip forward a bit of that. Oops. Oh it, right. oh, it went right. I want to get to the bit where he's playing the fiddle. Big Hit in 72, and uh, just still a great song. Great song, Because I, oh, um, I Love You. Um Let me just close, me just that, close that, down. that down. That's what's giving me the, echo, giving me the echo. So, yeah, that, <laughs> so, um, that yeah, was... That, that was... I'm definitely getting an I'm echo. Definitely
5: now.
4: Getting an echo now. Uh forgive me if I'm uh, talking funny for because I, because, I, I'm because, never I because I'm getting everything fed back. We're <laughs> getting it
7: too. We're it. getting it too, I think.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I that's, don't know how that's happening. happening. Anything now? Anything now. Still happening. Still happening. I'll try and talk, over, try it. So talk over it so Jim Lee was the Jim bass, bass was player but played the fiddle. And he wasn't a bass player till he joined the band. He, he, they actually got him to join the band, and he'd never played bass before. <laughs> so he Well, I can play the fiddle, though. So, and then he picked up the bass to, to be in the band. And, uh oh, it's gone now. I don't know what was causing that, but it's gone. So. Oh. Everybody okay? Can yeah. hear? Everybody can hear okay?
5: No, I can hear fine.
4: So, anyway. Um, I will play one more clip of Slade with your indulgence, which is the one hit they did have in America, just a little bit of it. Interestingly, they're not Scottish, but to me they went for a kind of a Scottish feel on (laughs) this one. Dave Hill still looking like a strange person. But this was, yeah, this got to number 13 or something in America, which was a belated recognition for the movie. Why they went for a Scottish thing, I don't know.
3: It looks
7: like it should be a Monty Python music video.
4: It does. That man's busy tossing his caber. (laughs) Right, so Slade, I love him. But I appreciate that not everybody does. (laughs) So another band, though, that I know that Courtney's going to love me now. Not that she doesn't love me anyway. But another band that was enormous in the UK, never... Ever made it in, uh, hang on, I gotta get this open. Never made it in America, although I've got a great reputation. Um, was the jam.
7: <gasps> I didn't know you were gonna talk about the jam.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah, because another one in my favorite Apparently it's her bands, jam.
2: So, it's, it's her jam, jam. So, yeah. the jam.
4: So <laughs> I like, had that on vinyl. <laughs> yeah, so the late 1970s new wave punk whatever, in the UK. Now, The Jam were one of those bands that kind of hit in that way. but they were more, at the point, at that time they were more of a mod revival band. They went for that kind of mod. They were
7: Sorry, poppy, they to
4: too. like They're melodic, I should say. Like Yeah, started out as a kind of a, a, a punky new wave uh, mod revival band, did coup covers and stuff like that, and then moved into more um, ex- progressive stuff. I mean, sound effects and, and albums like that are full of fantastic uh, different styles of song and great songwriting with Paul Weller, the singer and songwriter in the middle fantastic songwriter. Um, and I always
7: relate them a lot with um the Buzzcocks, like they're kind of similar with like the melodic, yeah, you
4: know, and I think
7: kind
4: of. the yeah, would say the one difference I would say is the jam went further with their musical mm-hmm. journey than the Buzzcock because Paul Weller soon moved on to doing some real like that's entertainment. The song That's Entertainment, brilliant, brilliant acoustic song. Uh, but they had a really sharp image, whereas a lot of the punk bands were all, you know, spitting and safety pins and whatever. Um, you know, Mal, there is a link between the jam and status quo. Is this to do with
5: the AC30 board?
4: Yeah, so Paul Weller's dad is one of Francis hey, Rossi's best friends yeah of Francis Rossi of Status Quo so the early days of the jam they basically borrowed from Status Quo a ton of gear <laughs> like when I Status don't think Quo never
5: returned it. Well, never I mean, returned maybe they never
4: returned remember never give it back but they had like cuz the Quo had tons of stuff of their own so they they basically let let loaned the jam not only that they loaned them a van and everything <laughs> so they could tour yeah. and they so they used to see each other going up and down the motorway and, and wave at each other, the two bands. An, an unlikely friendship, but there you go. They were they were very close to to. Uh, so yeah. I would say I think
5: Weller still tells that story about how they got that, yeah.
4: Yeah, they, they, they owe status quo a bit of a debt. So the champs, so yeah. dB Bud Martin, what about their rival band, the jelly? The jelly. <laughs> <laughs> Pump up the jam, yeah. But it's again, this band were enormously successful in Britain. A run of top five albums, three number one hit singles uh, from about, I guess, 77 through to 84-ish was their period. And then Paul Weller left and split the band up and went on to do stuff like Style Council and then his own solo stuff. Mm
7: -hmm. Um, I love the song In The City.
4: Oh, in the city's a great song, 000, yeah. 000, 000, 000. But they just had a they were a band that not only made great albums, they had great singles. There was always a run of great singles. Not something you get now, really. Like what is a single now? You know? Um
7: they don't exist.
4: Really. No. So down in the tube station at midnight, the eating rifles, going underground. These were just this band was massive in the UK. I don't think other than um One track, Town Called Malice, was like a top 30 hit in America. That's the only one they had. And that was a later single. So um, I don't know. I mean, Mal, did you encounter these guys specifically? You worked with the Stranglers. I guess it's the same era. Uh,
5: I never worked for them. I didn't even see them play live. But uh, there was a pub, a particular bar in, in Fulham, in London, where all these guys used to hang out, you know, you, you could get Robert Plant, The Jam, anybody, you know. Uh, Mitch Mitchell lived across the street, uh, and everybody used to hang out at this very musical pub. Uh, yeah, and, and they were from that area, weren't they? They're like they, The Jam. They appeared on uh, Top of the Pops doing "Eaten Rifles." Mm-hmm. And there was a station a block away, and they this, if you can picture this, they had these three British guards with the Busby head, you know, helmets and the red jackets on, mm-hmm. marching beyond them on top of the pops on this TV show. Well, there were three of the cops from the station a block away mm-hmm. who also frequented this pub. So it was quite a mix in there of rock stars Gangsters, you know, there was gangsters went in there, and policemen. It was it was a a heavy
4: place. Even unsavory people (laughs) like roadies might go in there.
5: Even roadies lived there. (laughs) Roadies lived there. (laughs) You you could, you know, they quite happily let you just go to sleep on the floor or wherever you were laid. They would Mm. cover you up, you there, just. Get up and leave by the side entrance the next morning.
4: Yeah, you know? yeah. But hugely powerful trio, um, very experimental. Paul Weller's a huge fan of the Who, the Small Faces, bands like that, and brought a lot of that in. I mean, Court, did you ever see them live, Courtney?
7: No, they you know are I mean, one of. You know? They're one of them that I did not get to see. That,
4: it is one of the bands that I I don't know how, but I never saw them live back in the day. Now, well, I wouldn't
7: have seen them back in the day but a lot of these bands replayed like um holidays in the Sun punk festivals in the late 90s mid 90s that I used to fly over to England to
4: well there's to a ver yeah there's a version of the band called from the jam still going with the drummer Rick Buckler and and Bruce Fox and the bass player Paul Weller has nothing to do with them other than one short reunion he had for a charity thing yeah. he's very standoffish of the other two. Real shame because I think they were a band that could have ruled the world. Oh, yeah. Um, And I never saw them at the time either. They were contemporaries of bands like The Police and Squeeze who did become big in America. But the jam just never crossed over again. Were they too British? I don't know.
7: They were were really big with the punk scene. I mean... People that are into like that early UK punk, even though hmm. they don't fit that mold of like the Sex Pistols and some of those other bands, they're, they're huge with the band,
4: yeah. And I think the, the thing is, they moved beyond that scene pretty swiftly because of the sheer songwriting talent and music, musical talent of the band, uh, into. I mean, they could conquer a lot of different styles and were a lot sharper and, and more progressive than some of the... Uh, the best always rises to the top, and these were one of the best in terms of musicianship. They were not... Well, yeah, I don't know how to play more than two chords. These guys were great musicians. <laughs> so, I
7: was just going to add, with like with like with the music head type people, you know, like up, The yeah. Clash could play. You know what I mean? Joe Str- like bands like that that
4: um, are yeah. well appreciated.
0: From so
4: the, just... Well, um, to give everybody an idea, I'll play a little video clip. So just give me a second while I cue that up. Uh, let's have a little bit of uh, their their Beatles pastiche, which I absolutely loved as a single, a song called Start.
2: What is I called? Start.
4: Starts with a drink of beer.
7: That's bed
4: right.
6: Yeah,
4: populated with clever beautifully played stuff there's a lot of harmonies you don't get so much of that live vocally brilliant uh eclectic i think is the word i would use and this was a, a kind of a pastiche of taxman from the beatles and they had the sharp glasses, of the beatles glasses and that look the, the 65 beatles look showing the range you know Absolutely brilliant record. They're just... Bit, big hit in Britain, nothing in the States. You know. Yeah. It's
7: such a good song.
4: I guess I will have to remove it, though, because we're getting the copyright stuff. It's a shame.
7: Yeah,
4: we, we save it. Yeah, anyway. Uh, brilliant band. Maybe if they'd gone another few years, they might have made it. I mean, I'm sure they played lots of times in America. I just, uh... I'm
7: going to have to go on like, a listening three
4: of them <laughs> well I do that from time to time in mean, the album I was showing uh, earlier uh, Sound Effects I think is my favourite album it is just packed full of brilliant songs and they had all these great hit singles but the album tracks uh, are just killer like um, Boy About Town if you, Courtney listened to a song called Boy About Town by the jam beautiful beautiful song just so catchy, um, but yeah, never made it. Maybe just to London. I don't know. They were very London. In it, <laughs> very in it. I mean, <laughs> did you find Mal when you went to uh, London for the first time that there was people said, "Oh, well, right, mate, where are you from? What's about? Oh, what's that stupid accent you got? Like, you know what I mean?" Still do. They still do. Yeah. <laughs> So if it's bad like that in Britain, imagine what it was like in America.
5: Oh no, no! When we came to America, they did. They loved you. I love your accent. Yeah. <laughs> it was the key to the door. That's right. Well, it meant more ways
4: than one. <laughs> which door? I didn't are we say door?
5: Which door?
4: <laughs> Yeah, Darius is is giving us. Yeah, he's giving us some technical information. UK garage is indeed club music, whereas garage rock is a different thing. That's just Gary's bands playing in the UK.
5: Yeah. <laughs> uh,
4: but yeah, the, I would urge people to check out the jam. Absolutely brilliant band. There was a few others, though, that were, uh, and, and you know we're, we're probably getting near the end of the show, but bands that were huge in Britain, there was this whole Britpop thing in the 90s, and you had a band like Oasis.
7: Oh, the Gallagher brothers.
4: Right. The Gallagher brothers. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, Dustin, John, Courtney, and Martin. And Mexico might be different from Martin. I don't know. Uh, these guys never really made it in America, did they?
6: Oh, they, they were did. huge here. They oh, did. yeah. They, they didn't
4: one hit.
6: They had that, more oh. than that. They had uh, the Wonder Wall, which everybody knows. Yeah. the Champion
3: Supernova.
6: Yeah. All right. So they, they had, had about five, also... five hits, I think. Okay. Yeah. They got Something a lot, like a lot of notoriety
7: because they're... they fought. A lot. Oh,
6: yeah. <laughs> well,
5: yeah a that play, was no their right? major downfall. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were fighting on an American tour, and probably the you know, vibes of that probably killed them over there. Well, yeah. I believe
4: that's true. That the, the, the one big US tour they did, Liam would storm off, they'd fight, they'd throw yeah. things at the crowd. Yeah. I don't know if American audiences are that keen on that. No. They're, no. They're, they're probably, you know, the. the,
5: the the aggression between the two brothers probably came across live. Mm. Really didn't like each other. They're still, even just last week, I had uh, one of them on the radio slagging the other one off still. Oh, they're uh, still. Hate each oh, they hate good. each other.
6: Yeah.
7: yeah.
6: And my buddy, a buddy of mine who lives in Texas, has tickets to see no Gallagher. With garbage, and they're playing like big amphitheaters,
5: right?
6: Mm. I think they're paying $1,200 tickets.
5: Yeah.
7: Now that's what you
4: call a totally 95 um, lineup. 90s lineup. So, Mal, tell me what street that is. You'll have been in that street many, many, many times. I've been in it. It's Wardour Street. Wardour Street, and are you
5: sure that's Wardour Street? I thought it was Wardour Street. It's uh, in, no, it's it's in Soho. Soho. It's I, Soho. I lived in Wardour Street, you know, virtually at the Marquee, and our offices for status quo were across the street. Right. So
4: it's not Wardour uh, Street.
5: It's just in Soho. Uh, the small faces and Rod Stewart's office were above the Marquee. <laughs> uh, right, right. Oh, well, there's another one I was, was going to mention.
7: Vivian Westwood
2: shop was on, but I guess yeah. not. It looked like
4: it. They all look no, like it. <laughs> It's certainly Soho. So it isn't Wardour Street, but it's in Soho somewhere.
5: So I don't think it's it's Wardour Street. Right. The building is uh, taller in Wardour Street anyway. And that tall building, not there. But it's around that area. It's definitely around that area. Yeah. So, yeah,
4: I, I actually always thought that they were bigger in Britain than America, but it turns out everyone knows them. So yeah. I got that one wrong. Yeah. And and Blur, Blur did have song two was a big hit in America. I love Blur. there was that whole resurgence in the nineties of this thing they called Brit, Britpop. My favourite band from that year is Supergrass, but that uh, you
7: you?
4: Supergrass, but they had that huge hit with All Right, um, um, but they, they did a lot of other stuff that never made. They they had like they're seen as one hit wonders in America, but yeah, so. Um, yeah, so Asus, I got that one wrong, but another one we haven't got. We're running out of time, unfortunately. But I do want to talk about one more band quickly. Madness,
7: yay! Hmm. Yeah, I like baggy Madness. trousers, baggy trousers.
4: <laughs> so, I
7: listened to that album non-stop in ninth grade as a student, student in France. That's all I yeah. have to say.
4: <laughs> so, I like to the man. best of my knowledge, and Courtney, you know them well. They were never that big in America, but again, beloved in the UK to this day
7: they did get big with One Step Beyond was a pretty
4: yeah. big hit but Our, our house? house Our House was an MTV yeah. thing yeah the MTV yeah day. I
3: loved Our House mm. mm-hmm. and
4: but they had I don't know 20 top 10 hits in Britain still to this day play live and are the beloved yeah. and unlike a lot of the other ska bands like the specials who were quite political Madness were much more just fun they were a fun band.
2: they were fun, fun. a
4: fun. lot of fun yeah i love them i love them to death my favorite song of theirs is one called michael cain my name is michael cain and it's funny because michael cain's on it saying that line but it's not even sung by Chaz, the main lead singer it's one of the other guys sings it it's not even um but they're as i say that people love them in britain never really other than the mtv stuff never really caught on in america
5: Uh, very much an institution in England madness I do like
4: this particular stage set that they're on though with the bananas I'm not quite sure what they're trying to to say but i tell
3: you this in the 80s um, if I wasn't watching something else like a movie or another show MTV was on
4: yeah and MTV was this was these guys made a lot of great videos Um, so but yeah great band check them out um, everybody I just wanted to shout out a few people like in the chat, Lady of the Storm, Andrew, Werdna, Dragon Ruse, Joe Fox, that have all joined as we've gone on through the show. Thanks for being here, everybody. Thanks, everyone that was uh, being in the chat the whole time. Um, How much time have we got, Martin?
7: About five five minutes.
4: Five minutes, okay. So, madness. In that case, I have time for a little clip just a tiny little one though because the the copyright gods will be hating us so um so um tiny tiny still going to this day and doing great gigs House, which was probably their biggest hit in the in the US, but uh, they had dozens of hits in Britain.
7: I'd stop it. You're going to get struck.
4: <laughs> yeah, that is so recognisable. <laughs> such a shame. I tried to pick the live ones so they're not as um, easily picked up. But yeah. anyway. We didn't get the chance to cover a couple of acts that we'll probably talk about another time. The Small Faces were one that were never huge in America, but very influential in Britain. Uh, There were um, Americans that came to Britain. A certain female
7: bassist.
4: Yes, well, Susie Quattro. Susie
7: Quattro, yeah
4: who's known uh, for her time on ha- Happy Days as an actress, but great kick-ass. My favorite female bass player next to you, Courtney. Second only oh, well, to you. Oh, thank
7: you. you. Um,
4: but Susie Quattro became um, this big star in Britain, but she's American. Mm.
7: And she started out... Um- I want to say her dad had like a jazz band or something.
4: I don't know what the attraction was with her. I really don't get it. I love her. Yeah, leather-clad female bass player. What's the like?
7: (laughs) I I didn't take any influence from her in my uh
4: (laughs) twenties.
5: She was was the feisty little thing, you know. She had a lot of kick-ass to about her, you
4: know. Yeah. And. You probably couldn't hear that, but never mind. I'm just trying to avoid the copyright stuff. Uh, yeah, so she had a, some big hits, became a big star, still beloved in Britain today, although the hits dried up in the 70, late in the 70s. But American that had to go to Britain to make it, Walker Brothers, Jimi Hendrix, had to go to Britain had to, to, Britain. to yeah. make it. Uh, so, yeah, so it works. It's, it's funny how that worked. you know. I guess those Brits have gone to America and made it big there that didn't really do it. Britain, Bush, the band Bush. Bush or yeah, I can't bush. say bush properly because I'm Scottish. From Shepherds <laughs> Bush, from Shepherds Bush. Oh, my he, beer!
6: Like little things and stuff. Like, uh,
4: yeah, I don't know. Is that what they're? Hang on. I think he's talking
7: about yeah,
4: yeah, Gavin Rosdale. Gavin Rosdale. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. uh they are like, white. a British band that have never, never been that popular in Britain.
7: Um, oh, in Britain. I was going to say they're huge. They're huge. Yeah. They were,
4: yeah. But in Britain.
7: I saw
6: them in 95, and then I saw them a couple of years ago.
4: They barely caught on in Britain. Like, they've they've always bemoaned that they couldn't get an audience in their home country. Yeah. Um, I
7: was never but, a huge fan. But. No, I'm not a big fan. I mean, I see either. the appeal, but I guess yeah. to, Gavin Rosdale was the appeal. <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs> appeal. There's a
4: couple of other bands I had going to touch upon, like the Smiths and the Stone Roses, but we've uh-huh. run out of time. We'll save that for another show. So, and I know um, both
3: those bands. So, I'm
4: not... Yeah, The Smiths were, were um, influential in America, but never that big commercially. But same with yeah. the Stone Roses. So, um I am old, yeah. And I was ever so. I was getting into the '90s stuff, and we didn't even have time to do it. The '90s and two thousand. No, we only
6: have one minute, so right, we have to so,
4: wrap up. Thanks, everybody in YouTube uh, out there on the chat on YouTube. Thank you for those watch, uh, listening and watching KGRE Digital Broadcasting and Facebook and Rumble. Thank you to my wonderful panel and to my special guest, Mal. I guess we're out of time, but go subscribe to the Rock and Roll Rowdies, to Keto Simple, to Das Wolfen, to Courtney. I can't point in that direction. Go subscribe to all those wonderful people. You can subscribe to That 70s Rock Fan Channel, too, if you want. Up to a thousand and fourteen subscribers. <laughs> uh, we'll be doing more rowdies soon. I hope, Mal. So thank you for coming
5: on. Yeah, yeah. We're getting we, we're getting ready to do some live performances.
4: Yeah, we'll I'm be talking to hear about, how about that. Goes, and I hope you guys
5: we're, bring we're booking, we're booking shows as we speak. That's great. We'll be talking about that soon on the show. I hope. Yeah, maybe we can uh, do a podcast. You know, have a live show. Indeed. Well, I'll be talking to Will. Sorry,
4: Dustin, go ahead.
3: Oh, it was me. Uh, I was going to say, Mal, I wish you nothing but success. I think the Rock and Roll Rowdies is something that the world needs. Uh,
4: I'll be talking to you soon, Mal and Wilco as well. We'll see what... uh, Thanks, guys. It's
5: a pleasure with you guys. Your knowledge is is far greater than mine. Nonsense. You were there.
4: Yeah. (laughs) I was just watching in the crowd. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
5: you yeah. keep reminding me, Brian. You keep reminding me.
4: Yeah, uh, no, I'm sorry, mate. Yeah, I was watching in the crowd, but you were there. <laughs> I was just that little bit younger. Not <laughs> sure. Anyway, uh, Martin, are we are we good? Uh, thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you.